0: My name is Deb Stevenson and I will be reading scripture for you today. Our Old Testament reading is from the book of Isaiah 40 to 5. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. (coughs) The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord (coughs) shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The word of the Lord. Our gospel reading from the good news according to Mark 1, 1 1-8. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah. See, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John, the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance. For the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of Christ.
1: Let us pray. Gracious God, we confess to you the frozenness of our hearts, that we long for them to be melted. We long for you to free us from our captivity, to sin, to death. To despair. By the power of your Holy Spirit, prepare us, we pray. Prepare in us a way by your grace through your Son. Amen. So rarely do our scripture readings start at the very beginning of books. But this week is a nice exception, Mark chapter 1, with elegant simplicity simply the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ the son of god now considering that christmas is barreling down on us i mean we already had the the you know the christmas songs were already playing probably a month ago we might expect the beginning of the story of jesus to be about some shepherds and angels mom dad manger but that is the gospel according to luke not mark not mark in the slightest boom it's this is the beginning of jesus the christ the son of god and then it gets straight into things here's how mark begins as it is written in the prophet isaiah see i am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way the voice of one crying out in the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make his paths straight Now, if you know your Bible at least a little bit, you'll know that this is all Old Testament stuff, and it's from all over the place. We've got the prophet Isaiah's promise that exiles will return from the Babylonian captivity. God will make a highway. God will send a messenger to proclaim it. The book of Exodus is in there, which says an angel, a divine messenger, will lead the people out of captivity in Egypt. And the very last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, which promises a divine messenger to prepare for the Lord's coming to earth. You could say it's you might call a sick Bible mashup, you know, of Old Testament prophecies, right? See, I'm a cool young minister there. Yeah, the kids these days called a mashup. Um, these are all very different texts, but they are all kind of pointing in the same direction, the direction of a divine messenger, one who paves the way, one who sets the stage for an incredible long awaited event, the opening act, you could say, the show just before the headliner, the arrival of the Messiah, the coming of God on earth. And who is the opening act exactly? John the Baptist. So rather than beginning with the manger and angels etc mark just gets right into it and there's john he's the messenger paving the way for the messiah the son of god john is the divine messenger that kind of you know all the old testament prophecies point to now you can kind of see why john hasn't made it into any of our nativity sets exactly i mean i would love that if somebody is a craftsman please add john to your nativity set and show me. Um, but he's kind of scary, right? He spends all of his time in the wilderness away from all the pre-modern conveniences. He's decked out in this camel hair coat he probably made from himself and a leather belt he probably hand, probably tanned himself. You know, he's like pre-hipster in that way. He made his own belt. and. Steady diet of bugs and wild honey. I mean, everybody's saying we should eat bugs. It's good for the environment, et cetera. Living off the land. He's like a hardcore survivalist, rejecting all the comforts and conveniences of civilization. John is kind of scary. But you know, the scariest part about John isn't just how hardcore he is. It's that he insists that everyone become as hardcore as him, right? Right? Now, you've heard that joke. You know, how do you tell someone's a vegan? Don't worry, they'll tell you. <laughs> Sorry to all the vegans there. Uh, I know that one of them isn't here today, so thank God. God just, uh, um, you know. But John's, John's like that. You know, John is like that. He is passionate and he is spreading the good news. Well, it's not really good news, actually. <laughs> In preparation for the coming of the Lord, John has everybody come out to the wilderness where he is. He has everybody confess, repent, and be baptized to wash their sins away, to join him in the wilderness, to start taking life seriously and act. The Messiah is coming. Get your life together. Turn away from your life of sin, and maybe he will spare you. John is scary because he insists that we join him in the wilderness and be like John or else. Now, to go to another level on this, in the Sermon on John, the Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann sets up John as kind of a border guard, right? And not the friendly kind, the kind who shines a flashlight into your station wagon in the middle of the night, the one who doesn't believe you when you say you don't have anything in the hatch that you'd like to declare, the one that has you step out searches the car and has somebody pat you down while you await your fate. There's no way around, Baptist the border guard, if we want to get to Jesus. Brueggemann says we've got to go through Checkpoint John to get to Jesus. Like a border guard, John turns over our lives he pulls our lives open and turns them upside down, and he tosses everything on the pavement for the world to see. What John does is reveal just how fall, far fall, we fall short of who God created us to be. How much we've screwed up, how much we've failed, things we've done, things we've left undone. The ways we fail to love God and love our neighbors, the way we fail to love ourselves and not just our own brokenness either, but the brokenness of the entire world, the need for the world to repent, to turn around, to be set right from beginning to end. He holds it all up to the light and says, hey, look at what I found in your glove compartment. That's checkpoint John. John is scary because he wants us to be honest about all the stuff we've got hiding away in the trunk. We don't like John because he wants, what he wants us to do is to confess, to tell the truth about our lives, to get all cleaned up, to get everything out of the car before we can cross the border into God's kingdom, to turn towards goodness and away from evil. I mean, John is probably not on the tree, right? (laughs) You don't have your John bulb. Because John is judgment. John is morality incarnate. You know, he's the big L law. A mirror that shows us who we truly are and our need to change. I mean, can you imagine him in the kindergarten Christmas play? I mean, I'd like to see that as well. Uh, You know, he'd ruin it all. He'd ruin it all. Repent! You know, mom and dad. Um... You know, John's the opening act that we would rather skip. He's on our way, you know, on our way to the main event, the kind, compassionate Jesus. We just like to get John kind of out of the way and start drinking the eggnog, right? As much as we'd like to skip him, though, there's a reason why John appears at the beginning of Mark's gospel before anything else, and there's a reason why John is at the beginning of Advent in our in our Advent readings every year. In fact, there's a second reading in Advent that's going to be preached on by Sarah Sullivan next week. There's so much John in Advent. So there's got to be some kind of wisdom to why he's here, why he's so unpleasant. You know, as much as we'd like to skip them, though, John is essential to the understanding of Christian faith. He's essential. Why? Because John does exactly what the Scriptures say he does. I mean, remember, he's, he prepares the way for Jesus to come. John is not the main event. There is a main event coming. John just prepares the way. One who is more powerful than I is coming after me, he says. I have baptized with you, wa- you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I mean, it would truly stink if checkpoint John was all there was, that we just had our lives searched for sin and punishment meted out. We'd be hauled away in chains for good if John was the one who was in charge, you know. But John says something to the effect of, just you wait until my supervisor gets here, you know. Just you wait till my supervisor gets here. Now John may have even... (laughs) There was a groan, that was good. Uh, John may have even expected Jesus to be a hyperized version of himself, you know? Not like bad cop, good cop, but like bad cop, worse cop. You know, we may have expected Jesus to come with the shotgun and line up all the line us all up against the wall with a certain delight in his voice, you know, just wait until my supervisor gets here, oh, holy spirit. Oh. But but when Jesus does finally come, it's rather unexpected, right? The little baby that elicits in us not fear, but joy and longing, melting our hearts like children, babies do. And the thing is, as an adult, just like John, Jesus sees it all. The entire contents of our lives emptied out before him. And you know, he doesn't make excuses. You no, know, he doesn't say, well, you know, you would have done that. You wouldn't have done that if only you had a better childhood. And, and he doesn't say, oh, it's just not a big deal. But he, having a full inventory checklist, completely full, knowing precisely the illicit content that we are all riding with, he turns to John and says, Don't worry, all this stuff in the car, this is actually all mine. It all belongs to me. You know? That's what the cross is all about. The judge who takes the judgment in our place. Jesus takes one look at it, the entire whole of humanity's failures, faults, and flaws, the entire content of our lives, your life and mine, everything we can't shake, And he holds up his own hands to be cuffed in our place, saying, you've got the wrong man. You've got the wrong woman. And he offers himself up instead. This is the supervisor that John says is coming, that he's preparing the way for. The Savior. Now this is how the Christian path works. It's not about getting our lives in order. It's about recognizing how out of order our lives can be. It's about how we fall short, how we need forgiveness, how we need help, how we can't fix our lives, how we can't do this thing called life on our own. God comes to us not in our strength, but in our weakness. Advent comes first because it... Sets our longing, our expectation, our need for Christmas. To put it simply, we need John to set the stage for Jesus because he shows us just how bad we need Jesus in the first place. And when Christmas comes, we find that those needs, those longings, are actually met. I mean, We kind of need John to prepare the way. In our hearts for Jesus. Now, there's a book I've been reading by Alan Noble, and Noble is a um, associate professor of English at Oklahoma Baptist University. I was going to make some really mean joke about Baptists read books. No, oh, 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 sorry, sorry. I um, <laughs> careful. I know we've got Baptists among us; they get it. The vegans and Baptists among us. There's no one that is exempt from the joke. The book is titled, on, is titled On Getting Out of Bed, The Burden and Gift of Living. You know, it's part essay, part sermon, kind of part counseling session. But in it, Noble seeks to affirm the goodness and meaningfulness of life, especially in the face of modern struggles like depression and mental illness and despair and I mean it's a book that doesn't sugarcoat anything it doesn't tone down how hard life is it's kinda like John in that way nor does it downplay how badly we screw it up just like John it's full of all kinds of stories but one that really struck out to me though is one about a father who has a panic attack in the middle of the day while watching his kids You know, he just finds that he just can't move. He's paralyzed, he's lying in bed while the children play downstairs. He can't pull himself up. He feels helpless, wanting nothing more to do than to escape, to drift off into a deep sleep and hope that everything just goes away. You know, this may be familiar to you if you've ever struggled with depression. This is how depression can be, paralyzing. But then a word from outside made it makes its way in to him, like literally from the outside of the room. It makes a way in and makes a way out for him when he couldn't make it for himself. After nearly an hour of staring into his pillow, Noble writes, the door to his bedroom slowly opened and a child quietly peeked in and asked the father if he could text their mother so that they could have a grown-up around. However unfit this father had felt before, he felt even worse now. He felt the sting of judgment as if he had abdicated his role as a father and his children knew it, and now they were scared to be alone. Only this feeling and his child's frightened face were enough to overcome the anxiety and bring him downstairs where he told the children that daddy was okay, but sometimes daddy's mind didn't work right, but that he'd always be here and always love them. Now this sounds rather harsh and brutal, probably not something that any of us, especially those of us who are fathers, would like to ever hear. But I think it was God at work. John the Baptist style. The word from his daughter was a word of judgment, a clear call to repent, that he needed to turn around and get on with living, that what was needed, that he needed to be a parent at that moment. But rather than a prison sentence or a punishment though, these words, the truth about him in that moment prepared the way for God's grace to enter in. This father was paralyzed by depression, confined to bed. He simply didn't have the strength in him to go on. His depression wasn't cured. No, but in that moment, he was given the strength he needed from the outside. And it came through nothing but his absolute need prepared the way for him to do what he couldn't do for himself. It prepared the way for what he couldn't do for himself. Just like John the Baptist preparing his the way for Jesus. And this, dear brothers and sisters, this is the same promise from us for us. John comes before Jesus because John paves the way for Jesus by having us open up and embrace the truth about our need, our need for forgiveness, our need for comfort, our need for peace. And when we do, the promise is that by the Holy Spirit, Jesus steps in, not to bring us punishment or judgment. This is one of the biggest stumbling blocks to Christianity. We think that that is kind of the end But it comes to bring us healing, freedom, overcome when all else is lost. When all else seems lost. John the Baptist is a terrible opening act. This is true. I mean, it's like when I saw Death Cab for Cutie open for Neil Young. It was terrible. You know, my dad said, what is this crap? Um, <laughs> that was John preparing the way for Jesus. He's a terrible opening act. He's tough. He's judgy. He's hardcore. He leaves all of our lives out in the open, but the good news is that he does so to prepare the way for the main act, the loving forgiveness and mercy of God, the coming of Christ to heal in our places of sadness and despair, terror and need. May this season in this season may you may we tell the truth about our lives and lay it out all in the open without fear whether what we need is forgiveness or a sense of peace or the strength to endure or the hope to carry on let's do so knowing that christ comes to us in our need christ comes to make all things new In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert of our hearts a highway for our God. Let every heart prepare him room. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.